this is the what is that sign language <laughs> no this is the um this is what they're doing they're British guys were doing in the WBC, you know, when, when they get double. Oh, they hit a double, they do the little, what is that, like sipping tea or something? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, here we are. Back in the juice box, athletic podcast, baseball development show. We got our own Greg Hendricks in the house today. And we're just talking baseball. Just talking baseball. So, the World Baseball Classic stuff, like the qualifiers and all that stuff, that's happening now? Is that... What is, what's the stuff that's going on now? You were telling me about, um, like, no, the China the, the Euros stuff. Just the Euros just finished up. So, they're doing, like... You know, I guess they... I didn't hear anything about it, but I guess they... You know, they have the Pan American Games. Like, I don't know if that was going on, but... Mm. Alan, you know, I asked him if China was doing anything because I thought they probably were, and they had some uh, like the Asian games going. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the Euros are always every two years. Um, usually, it's been like earlier in September, but it was a little bit later this year. So there were more AAA guys probably than ever. You know, mm-hmm. you had all the minor league guys were able to do it. And, um, you know, I saw Didi was there and mm-hmm. everything, so that was, that was pretty cool to see him playing for the Dutch. Right. Um, yeah, so, you know, and Spain won it, which um, I think that was the second time they've ever won it. You know, only, uh, only countries to ever win it are Italy, Netherlands, Spain, and uh, I guess Belgium. Belgium won it one time way back so Mm -hmm. but mostly the dutch and italy so i don't think people really know how big baseball is around the world like it's getting bigger yeah yeah so you know like the rankings just came out the most updated rankings and so that was cool to see that uh, GB moved up to that we're in the top twenty now, eighteenth mm-hmm. in the world, um, just behind Germany at seventeen, and then you know you got um, the Czechs are pretty high now, like around fifteen. And right. A bunch of European countries kind of stacked right there, right, right on top of Canada. So um, you know, how many Israel, countries like, are in the world? I don't even know how many how many countries are there. Do you know? <laughs> no. I don't either. We need to hundreds, somebody needs to look that hundreds. up for us. We need to know how many countries there are in the world. I know and there's hundreds. How many actually have a, a national um, baseball team, you know? Right. Probably not Federation. all of them. Right. Right. I'm sure the I'm sure some of the third world countries are probably not <clears throat> some yeah, housing, of, you know, some of them may be, but some of them are probably not housing a, a baseball uh, operation of that sort. Right, that's something, you know, country, more and more countries are starting to add a, a federation. So, like, yeah. you know, one day we might not get the uh, guys from the Bahamas. Right. Be like, the who, like who, who has, who has the, like, what continent has the biggest presence, do you think? You know, like, is it South America? Is it? Is it uh, Is it North America? Is it 
do you think it's eight like you know the asian countries like who's got the biggest base if well, you took I, everything you'd together to say, you'd have to say i'd have to say america, north america, america. Yeah. just because of but the asian be. presence is growing right. i mean maybe the maybe the biggest growth well, of yeah, all i don't know no, it's it's really interesting like um kind of still towards what we're talking about uh alan was saying you know for you guys that don't know, Alan was on the podcast. He played for China in the mm-hmm. WBC. He's training out here. Yeah, he just got just got released from the Angels. So he's he you know he's got an interesting story because he played did the world stuff, participated in that with from China, but also has some some affiliated experience for you guys that don't know. But continue. But he was saying you know just the other day in these Asian games, China beat Japan, which is I mean that's yeah. That's massive, like, uh, you know, I mean, that'd be like Canada beat the U.S. Right. Probably, that's even more, um, you know, that would even walk crazier to me, really. Yeah. That is so, crazy. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, I, I think it's interesting, man, because, like, I never really paid attention to this stuff growing up. Like, not until the last few years. Yeah. And I guess it probably wasn't as big of a deal. Like, the, the world baseball stuff wasn't as big of a deal until what probably like the 2010s well, was, i remember when the wbc came out in 2005 it was yeah. like announced i guess right for that 06 classic and so that was when i remember really i was a junior in high school and i remember really like thinking about it a lot then but and then 10 years before that I was I went to the Olympics, so that was like, you know, being from here and going to baseball at the Olympics was right. pretty cool. Like seeing Italy play, and then, you know, uh, finally playing in Italy in 2021 was pretty cool to um, finally, you know, kind of full came full circle. Yeah, no, that is yeah. pretty cool, man. Well, yeah, that's, you know, I I just, I think it's funny because the stuff kind of goes like year round, right? Like the World Baseball Classic obviously already happened, but then there's, there's like different events that happen. Well, you know, that's how, yeah, I mean, that's how it's kind of is nowadays, like in, in, you know, we're seeing it in youth baseball with travel ball and then, you know, all the way up into through college with their all the fall stuff that those guys were doing like we we were talking about that last night i mean when we were in college we weren't playing other teams in the fall and now they're doing that right and you got the fall league and you got you know a lot of these winter leagues are a lot more established where guys can go and make a little money Mm -hmm. so yeah it, it never really stops you know the euros going into Pretty much into October, so yeah, it seems like every like <laughs> baseball in general is year round, and it like this has been happening for the past what 10 15 years where it's like, oh, they got fall ball, man, it's year round. Like, I remember you know, like when I lived in Montana up until I was 12, you just we only had like four months of decent weather. I mean, right, like when we were like playing in May, it was still too. snowing sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and. You know, then, like, we played Little League. They didn't have travel ball. You know, it was Little League. So we played in May. We played in June. 
And July, if you played in July, it was like All-Stars. And it was like the state tournament type right, thing. Right. And then so, by August, man, it was done. Yeah. But then we moved to Florida when I was 13, and it was like, oh, there's fall ball? Oh, there's summer ball all the way through July? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's tournaments in November and December? Wow, like this never stops. And that's when I remember it kind of starting, but it was still like some people didn't do it. Some people didn't do it year-round because you still had guys that played football. You still had guys that played basketball. And, like, so many guys still chose to do those sports during those seasons and not mess with baseball because it wasn't as organized. Now it's, like, organized to where, hey, if you're a baseball player, you're expected to go to that big tournament in December somewhere or that big showcase in December and be full tilt. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I think about it. I don't know. Like, you know, I'm seeing this. I'm coaching 17U now. Charlie just came off 17U, and now he's doing 18U. You know, Greg's son is a, a senior at, at St. Pius here in Atlanta. Like, dude, how as a pitcher, especially? I mean, position players too, but as a pitcher, especially, how the hell are you supposed to navigate? Going year round and being full tilt, like oh, you're expected to pitch in December and be like mid season form. Like we don't, we don't even expect the best baseball players on the planet to do that in the big leagues. Right. So it's like, I don't know, man. I, I you know, I just I find it kind of funny because I, like for me when I'm coaching this fall, um, and everything that we're doing here in terms of development, everything is revolving around it being the off season. Like we're trying to accomplish some very specific things with each athlete. And some of those things don't line up. And some of them certainly don't line up in terms of like on-field play and game winning. It's like, how do you navigate that, man? Like Charlie's going through it right now. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really hard. You just, you know, it's like I told, um, Sean the other day, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just one day at a time. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're not, you're probably not going to be, you know, it's October 6th right now, um, or 6th, yeah. I don't need, I never know the date, I never know, I never know so what day I, it is. Yeah, it's October 6th right now, you know, so like, <laughs> you're talking about on. like, oh, you know, showcase in December or something like that, you know. You're probably not even really th- going to be thinking about that right now. Yeah. So it's like, you, you probably are. But like, for all right, so Charlie, like in Charlie's case, he's he's getting recruited. He's getting seen. Yeah. They're, they're trying to work through this. Do coaches care? Does a college coach? Like, I think college coaches understand the seasons probably as well as anybody. Right. I mean, they're – I th- when you're looking at the camps and everything, I mean, it does seem like there is like some um, rhyme and reason for the dates. Like they are taking some consideration when they're um, scheduling these camps to where it's like, okay, you know, we've got some camps coming up even early no into this month, early November. Trying to line it up with so, travel ball. Type so thing. you can kind of, yeah, and then you know you had some right there at the very end of the summer season. So luckily you can kind of line it up with some of that stuff to where it's like, all right, I'm going to this camp and then, and then I'm, I'm taking a little break 
you know, I've got, I'm, I'm taking a good six weeks off from yeah. throwing, you know, maybe just throwing once a week. Yeah. But, no, I, yeah, it's, it's a good point, right? Because yeah. for the call, like the whole recruiting process, college coaches know, know what they're I doing. I remember, yeah, to what you're talking about, though, I do remember, like, you know, I know Perfect Game has had all these um, showcase organizations are having showcases in, you know, they all year round. I mean, they're not really taking much consideration when it comes to, like, how much of that do you think is like, okay, we know we need to offer these, but we have wall-to-wall, back-to-back tournaments with three, two, three, four hundred teams in them, and this is literally the only time we can do it, December 17th. That's the only time we can do that showcase. January 11th is the only time we can do that showcase, and we at least want to do it. Like, how much of it is that? And then... On the flip side of that, like, is that the right thing to do? Like, if you're Perfect Game or PBR or whoever, Perfect Game PBR is probably going to be pissed. I'm yeah, saying this right now. But it comes down to, like, they had, you know, they just have so much power. They have so mm-hmm. much leverage. People know? see PG Showcase, 200 coaches, and, and I got to go, go to that. I got to be there. I got to go to that one. Not taking into effect, I haven't thrown in six weeks. Well, I, I haven't done anything in six weeks. I'm not ready to go. I'm ramping up. I'm ramping down. Like, we, yeah. we got to, like, yeah, you, I, I get it. The power. There, there's a lot of power in these things. But who has the most power? Like, we got, not we, the player has the power. Like, you know, just, just jumping into, like, your schedule and making sure you have a, a gauge on what you're doing at what time of year. Like, that should be the power, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 so much about timing and, like, doing, doing as much as you can, you know, in, in those crucial times. Like, I think, like, if you're a junior, like, you're t- talking about your guys, like, at 17U – you know, and you have an opportunity to go to like a perfect game showcase where, you know, maybe it's one of the better ones where you're like invited, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, this is really like, this is maybe top, um, like a more of a top, you got it, you got to get invited, you know, top 500 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. You know, and it's like this is when they're doing it. Like this is when all the pro scouts are going to be there. The colleges are can um, are going to be there, and it's like, you know, you just you got to you got to do it. Yep. You know, it's like. Yep. So you have to you have to plan for it. You know, it's like. And I get it. Like you, you know, maybe it's like one of those things where it's like. This and this goes back to like people placing so much less importance on high school baseball. Yep. Too. So it's like, you know, you go out to this thing in December and these all these cross checkers. You got GMs or you know, I'm just this is this type of stuff goes on. Yep. Are there and they see you throwing ninety four. You know, they're not going to really be too concerned with how hard you're throwing in February that much. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, he's a little bit behind, you know, whatever. Like he's, right. he, he's just, he's got a long 
summer. Well, and that's what I was saying about the knowledge. Like, like those yeah. guys have, they understand the time of year. They under, they can see through what the actual metrics yes, and the numbers right. say, right. and they can say this kid has some. Like, if he does what he's supposed to do by the right time of year, he's going to be doing the right things. We're going to keep an eye on him, right? I mean, is that that's pretty much how it goes. I think a lot of these guys think that you go to a showcase, you go to an event, and like that's it. One day, one one day only. That's you get to show it, and if. And if you're 92, but you only show 88, that you're not going to get a chance. And that's just – that's not how it works. Guys understand the time, time of year. Time of year, exactly. They understand yeah, that. Yeah. Coaches understand that. It's like, yeah, you might see – have, have, if they're really interested in you and, and at this type of showcase, they're going to know who you are before you get there, obviously. Right. And they're, they'll say, like, you know, how much you've been throwing, and we just want to see you – throw a little off the slope at 70 percent yep. you know we just want to see <laughs> you say that all the time it's funny you use that 70 percent all the time you wonder like because now everything's max effort and right? then yeah and that's why it's like you need to be able to, another reason why you need to be able to do it because a coach can tell ask you to do it one day right and a know? coach it's can like, tell if you're max 70 percent yeah you know? you're like can't throw 70 percent right you know right and if you like you know for you pitcher i mean it's not even not only pitchers i mean this goes for hitters and position players too like somebody who's looking for a high level infielder they want to see somebody be able to do it at less than game speed and then they want to see somebody be able to take bp at less than game speed and still show the efficiency and still show just the quality of what they're doing I think there's a lot that can be said well, for that. I, th- I remember a game uh, this summer stuck out in my mind. You know, um, one of the game in the World Wood Bat, we were playing that BPA team. Uh-huh. It was really good. I was saying they were like the t- best team I'd really seen um, in terms of roster on paper and convincing everything. Uh, you know, team from California. And watching them, their guys, it's exactly what you're talking about. And, and, you know, in some of these local tournaments, like, you know, you still – you might see the guys where it's like they're trying so hard to, like, I've got to – you know, I've got to can it. You know, like every <laughs> – between every throw, you know, between every inning. And, you know, I could just tell some of the parent, you know, I look around and I'm watching some of these dads that, you know, dads are intense – when your kid's 17 it's like yeah let's go I, my son needs to get find a place to play like why is he not getting interest so they're watching these kids like what you know what's so good about this team mm-hmm. you know what what's so good about this kid that he's going to arizona you know and you could tell they're kind of surprised because the foresight he's not, he's just throwing it across like 50 percent you know like and it's I think you're you're making a great point right now and and listen to anybody who's watching this right now please understand what we're talking about like there is a fine line between not caring not giving a shit and just knowing how to taper down your intensity like we need to still care. don't get this wrong you need to care you can't be at shortstop just flipping balls like that's not going to work but you need to be able to do stuff at a sub maximal effort 
A to save the like save bullets. Like save the bullets for the game. Save the bullets for when you do need max effort. But also like just knowing how to operate at different intensities and volumes. Like that is 100% probably the most important thing for somebody becoming a more professional next level player. When you watch big leaguers on the infield taking a ball from the first baseman like even things like the way the first baseman flips a ball to guys in between innings. Sometimes the first baseman will throw the ball in the air because he needs some throws at 70%. Sometimes the first baseman will deliberately throw the guy one hops. And then the guy picks it up, looks at the ball for a second. Do I got four seam grip? Shuffle, shuffle 70% at 78 miles an hour. Not everything is 104. Not everything is Manny Machado. And then they know how to take those same moves and just scale up the volume. And I think the same goes for a pitcher. You watch a pitcher in the bullpen that's 96 to 98 in a game. His first seven pitches he throws in the pen are probably not 96 to 98. Right? Same thing with a catcher. Not every single throwdown he makes is spastic and intense. You watch a hitter on deck. They're not taking 140% dry hacks falling over in the on deck circle, right? Like there's feels like I would say for you guys watching this, you need to understand that we're not telling you not to try hard. You need to try at everything you do. You need to give effort, but you need to understand the difference in like false effort and actually doing what you need to do to be good right there. Like people want to be able to see you have some composure and be calm right, and be exactly. less than And that's than where it can help you a lot too. Like you're talking about the ways it's going to help you. You know, I would say just one of the other ways is just being able to calmly make a play when the, when the pressure is on, you know, it's like you, you can't be, you got to take your time to an extent like when you you know secure the ball stay stay in down in your throw you know and just being understanding like that in just having that internal clock and being able to stay calm and just know that you don't have to make some like incredible throw like the throw is always gonna outrun the runner you know, I mean, and you're not going to throw it like 50% in the game. You know, once you get that, you're, you're going to have more urgency, obviously, yep. in game. So being able to just really calm yourself. And that's what I always say with, with the pitchers is like, we're just trying to calm you down. Yeah. Because guys, um, they totally get so, so amped up, you know, going, once they – they're going down the slope. They get going down the slope, and they just, they just, rush, they get kind of excited and rush. Yeah. So the arm doesn't. It's funny that you're. Out. It's funny that you're talking about infield stuff now. You know, but like guys, Greg played first base and hit in high school too. You know, yeah, six four, six stuff, four lefty. That stuff helped me. You know, it helps you be athletic. Yeah, it helps right? me a lot. Like. I'm so glad that I did get to find, play first base my senior year. And and it's know. funny because I hear you talk about this with Charlie now. It's like you, you really push him right. to still be an infielder. You know, Charlie's a, a right-handed pitcher, guys. He's six foot, six one. He's 170 pounds. He, but he's a pitcher. 
He's going to be a pitcher he's at the next level. Pitcher, but but he still plays infield, and he still it keeps him athletic. He's still swinging the bat. Like there's a lot to be said for that, right? And and going back to what you're saying about just understanding the moves and under like the throw to first is going to outrun the runner. Like I remember in high school when I was a still a pipsqueak, but I like seriously a pipsqueak. Like sophomore year, 120 pounds, you know, trying to play infield. I'm playing second base. We got a, a stud pitch, kind of like Charlie, a stud pitcher who plays shortstop that when he pitched, I needed to slide over. I needed to play shortstop. And, and I remember so many of my throws just like skirting in the dirt. You know, good play, smooth, and skirting in the dirt because you don't have that that rhythm and that feel of, of understanding it at 50% mm-hmm. to do it on the left side. And I remember thinking to myself, I know that doesn't feel right. I know that sucks. But at that age, I didn't really know what it was that I was fixing. And hitters do the same thing. It's like, God, uh, give me another one. That was my first swing of the day. It's not that it was your first swing of the day. That's not why you messed it up. It was because you tried to take your first swing of the day at 112%, and you you didn't have the feel yet. Same thing with pitchers, right? First throw, you sail it. Oh, I got my arm, man. So I got to get got to get warmed up. No, you're trying to take it too quick before your body is stimulated enough to make that move happen. Right, so I'm listening to everything you're saying right now, guys. Greg could probably put on the first baseman's mitt, take ground balls, and deliver perfect double play feeds right now at 36 years old, because he understand over the course of his career playing, he understands this timing. He understands how to do things submaximal, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot to be said for that. You guys have to learn how to be able to do stuff at less than 100, percent but also know how to turn up the heat when you need to. It's important, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially, um, yeah. I, no, I I love what you're talking where we're going with this. You know, with the hitters too. But you know, just talking about pitchers. I mean, we got you know when we do our velocity max. I mean, it's an hour long session, right? And now you know we're having guys that are starting to get here a little earlier. And they they get their work done, and they're like, they're finishing up their bands, you know, when yeah. which is like the last thing in the warm up, you know, when it's time to get started. And it's like, so you're you're gonna throw for an hour, and you don't even really understand sub maximal intent. Right. It's impossible. You know, <laughs> you can't do it. Yeah, you can't throw full ass for an hour straight. You no. can't do it. No. You and, know, and that's why the last twenty minutes, when we're we're trying to keep going, keep working on stuff, you know, it all starts just kind of unraveling. Unraveling, yeah. yeah. Well, it's good though because that you know the guys. I like the eagerness. I like the yeah. You know, and that's <clears throat> all it is. Like I yeah, exactly. Like we're talking about you going over to shortstop. You know, you were that was just eagerness. You're like, oh, I gotta make. You knew you had to make a longer throw, yeah. so you're just you're you're trying to do more with like just mu- basically muscling up, muscling up, yep, right. Instead of just like, okay, this is a longer throw. Just let me like, let me just arc one out over there, mm-hmm. you know, and just feel feel a little bit of uh, layback, you mm-hmm. know. Yep. No, I, you know that's. You guys, you have to understand how to do that. 
it, like if there's one thing I could tell all of the guys that I have in here training, all the guys that I coach on the field, any baseball player who comments down below, anybody who you know replies to one of our stories on Instagram, all the interaction I have with baseball players, if there's one thing I could tell them, learn how to be more professional in your movements. And I like I started becoming obsessed with this as like a 16-year-old baseball player because you know Greg, I'm I'm from the Central Florida area. And when I had days off from baseball or whatever in March, I used to go watch spring training. Mm-hmm. We used to go watch a lot of spring training, guys. And there's nowhere better than to see guys doing stuff at a sub-maximal level than in spring training yeah. when they're trying to get the feels. Right. And I remember watching Jimmy – I used to like watching Jimmy Rollins play shortstop. You know, 5'9", 175 pounds, not a big guy. And, you know, I would watch – I would go early. We used to watch – um uh, we used to go over to Clearwater a lot and watch the Phillies. And I used to watch him take infield. Sm- everything smooth, slow, calm. But then I used to watch him take ground balls in the game. And it was like that same feel just with the volume turned up. And watching him make backhand plays in the hole with no rush. He knew exactly how much time he had. Turn, throw, let the arm lay back, throw a one hop. Not trying to throw it 100. Throw a one hop, get the guy by half a step. And I'm like, oh boy, okay, now I'm starting to understand what shortstop is about, what infield is about. And from that moment, that's when I started trying to mimic those type of things. How do I look more professional? I don't want to be a spazzy little 120-pound infielder anymore. I want to look like I'm a professional. When I swing the bat, how do I take my practice swings? How do I take my cage swings? How do I take my BP swings at sub-maximal to make it smoother and still let the ball jump. And I, I became obsessed with that. Like, like to this day, I'm still obsessed with that. And I told myself that if I ever coached, I was going to make sure that I tried to make players understand being more professional. And it's impossible. A lot of guys are never going to get it. But the kids who pay attention, they get it. You can tell. Like every year that they get older from 14 to 15 to 16 to 17 – you can see them starting to act more professional. Like, what do you see? Do you see this too with pitchers? Like, it's the same thing. Just, just the mannerisms on the bump. When you step off, what are the mannerisms? When you toe the rubber again, what are the mannerisms? When you don't like something, what are the mannerisms? Like, just 100% professional behavior. Like, that's what I love seeing youth baseball players do. You know, and, and, how do we get more players to take pride in that? I think it's, I mean, it's, the answer is maturity. But I think that's something that not enough coaches talk about. Everything is like, well, you need to execute this better. And you need to, you need to do, you need to get more layback. And you, you sent me that post the other day with Lance Berkman talking about hitting. Man, that was gold timing. Like you timed it up perfectly because we were talking with our hitters at the end of the night. And I'm, I'm telling guys, like, look, guys, this is not robot. You're not a robot. You have to take information, process it, and then be a human about it. There's a human element to this game. And with everything you do, you're trying to be more professional. He was talking about how, like, you're talking about elite hitters when you're comparing stuff to big leaguers. So you can't take something a big leaguer's trying to do and have a 12-year-old try to do it, not do it right, and not execute it and expect the same result as a big leader. It doesn't work like that. You know, so 
just understanding how to start molding your game to be more professional, but then understanding you're still at the level that you're at. And you just bridge that gap over time. Like I, I really mm-hmm. think that's the answer to players becoming next level. Bridging the gap between where they're at and becoming more professional with their game. Not necessarily always metric driven. There's always going to be metrics. We're always going to talk about how hard guys are throwing, how hard they're hitting the ball, how fast right. they're running. But you get, yeah, and we used to talk about this a lot. Like you get so hung up on the metrics and you just got to remember, like, go you're gonna you're gonna be amped up when you go in the game right and that's why part of why we're talking so much about understanding sub max you know you're you got to be able to calm yourself down yeah because you know you you're gonna go into a game and you're just you're just so freaking jacked up and when you're jacked like like, you're saying that you're you're so 100 right you're probably the same way when i played man like I used to get like jittery sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like you yeah. get you get done with an at bat and you get back in the dugout and and you're shaking. I remember, you know, when I started throwing really hard once I got to junior college, you know, I would I could my coach used to say it all the time too, like Hendrix, you know, throws the freaking shit out of it. <laughs> you know, but I would get out there and I'd be so jacked up. Yeah. Throwing like ninety four, and but you know my leg is like my back, my twitching. back leg is like twitching. You know, <laughs> like runner gets on and I'm like, you know, I was just so jacked up, right? Man. And, and I didn't and I did not understand. I lost that feel of sub maximal intent and everything from not playing first base anymore, not clipping those one hoppers between every inning, right? You know, and just got just kind of became that robot little bit robotic pitcher you know lost lost some of that feel so yeah yeah it's just yeah under you know when you go out between innings it's like first pitch you know you're talking about it you've been sitting down for 15 minutes like you got to come out there and just be sometimes it might be 50% on that first one. Yeah. You know, and what, that's what... Like, what, what is... Because as coaches, we start to become hyper-aware of this stuff, right? Because we've been through it. We've experienced it. And I think you could... You know, I don't have children, but you've got Charlie. You can probably say the same for being a dad and watching this stuff unfold, too, because you've been through it. So for all the dads out there that have played baseball or played a sport and understand the pressures and understand that anxiety you're talking about, like, do kids feel it as much? Because I don't remember, I remember feeling it more when I got to like the later years of high school and into college. Right. Before that, everything was kind of just a blur. Like you just see ball, hit yeah, ball, you, yeah, you make plays. You know, and I don't know, somewhere, somewhere along the way, you, you just, you, I lost that kind of, um, you know, that ignorance, like that naiveness, yeah. you know, where it's like, you're just, you're, you're not just playing like with, without thinking about like net, just more negative thoughts start creeping in, right. started creeping in, you know, 
So it's like you it's I'm stopping you right there because you're saying that like as a kid, the negative start negative thoughts start creeping in, you start building that anxiety a little bit. And then fast forward to now we're adults and we're coaches and how that gets like amplified. Like so how important is it for us as coaches to make sure that we see it happening? Like we see when a player goes from the naive to starting to understand, but then make sure that the understanding doesn't creep into the negative or the 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 overthinking, the overanalyzing. Because like this is something that I think about a lot as coaches. And when I watch kids at 13 and I watch them grow, 14, 15, 16, 17, most of them, if I'm with them long enough, I can almost pick out the time, the time period when I can start to see them light bulb flash and then usually the next step is overthink overdo do more think more right try to do too much and that's where it goes back to kind of what got us to on this like talking about you know how do you how do you starve the the doubt is with through intelligence right so it's like intelligence will tell you do it like less effort, right? Like, you know, just not trying to do as much. Yeah. Right. Be be able to do it at sub maximal intent, like we're talking about. That's what intelligence tells you. So it's like you know, starving the the self doubt with intelligent thought, you know, and and it's just that. You just you gotta keep telling yourself like positive you know it's attack this attack the yeah. zone you know well I love so like, say that again so starve starve the self-doubt with intelligent thought right. starve doubt think intelligent right starve doubt right. by being more intelligent like when you break it yeah. down that makes sense right like Things start creeping in. Don't and, don't give don't, in. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't just you kind of fall into this like uh, you know I'm I'm a, I'm just a dummy you know it's right. like this kind of this timid kind of um, presence out there. You know. And so, so example like, like not to not to break up where you're at, but this just flashed in my mind. Oh, I'm a dummy. We got guys that say you know I'm thinking of one particular guy right now. He says this all the time. Oh, I'm dumb. Right. Like a more intelligent response would be, oh, that makes sense. Right. That makes sense. Okay, now I've got it. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, I suck. Yeah. You know, and, like those and, type of and things. This stuff, yeah, you know, some of this stuff, it, it gets a little cliche maybe, but it, it, it doesn't, I don't care one bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, I was telling Charlie the other day because, um, you know, him and Landon are talking and they're mm-hmm. like, I think Landon's like, you know, I can't hit. And Charlie's like, oh, I can't hit either. You know, pitchers. <laughs> they're you know, they're like, like feeding they're, each other self doubt. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, guys, don't say that. Yeah. You know, because like Charlie, you're gonna fucking hit this sprint. Yeah. You know, and and when you say something, whether you really truly mean it or not, like, yeah, kid, you say, oh, I'm dumb. Like, you probably don't hopefully mean that you really think you're dumb. But your body doesn't know the difference, right? You know, and and that's what um, 
Was it? Was so it? That um, was like Bruce Lee. Yes. Yeah. Thing that I saw, like. Yeah. You know, don't. Don't, don't trick, trick yourself. Trick yourself. Like, right. Yeah. Don't. Don't say it if if you you really don't hundred percent mean it because your your body does not know the difference. Your brain. So what about um? What was it? Pete Rose that had like the in his book or something about just the positive, all the positive baseball talks. I, I think it was, I feel like it was Pete Rose. I don't know. I could be wrong about this, but probably just like, like literally how to be positive. So you hear all the time, like pitching guys like, Hey, don't walk the leadoff guy. Hey, don't, uh, don't fall behind in the count. Right. Hey, don't miss the first pitch fastball. Hey, don't do this. Don't do. And it's all this. Don't whatever is said out of somebody's mouth. That's what your brain interprets. Right. So you don't necessarily interpret the do or the don't process. You're trying to interpret the information. Do or don't gets left out of it a lot. So if I say, hey, don't walk the leadoff hitter, your first thought is on walking the leadoff hitter. You left out the don't. If I say, hey, get the first hitter out in three pitches or less, your thought process is, Three pitches or less, get the hitter out. Right? Like, you're just, you're saying the same thing mm-hmm. in a different way, in a positive way. And, th- and you're right, this is so cliche, but I'm not sure that people really spend time thinking about this. And, no. like, I do. I, I've had to because I've had so much negative thought during my baseball career. Absolutely. And I- I've seen the power of the positive. Like, I've seen the power of it. It sounds dumb, guys. It sounds cliche, but I've I've wit- I've witnessed it and I've experienced it enough to where when I coach and I catch myself on the negative, I'm like, don't say that anymore. Like, stop saying that. But it's hard. You have to be very self-aware to be able to do that, right? Yeah, even when it comes to coaching, to coaching. yeah, I'm probably guilty of that. I know, like, you know, don't do this. Sure. You know, and it's like, you know, it needs to be a more affirmative like what to do right like what what is the what is the task at hand you know right um so like are you are you seeing that now with with charlie like like do you have like does charlie have his bad days and his good days like days where you because i i noticed that some days he comes in here and he's like ultra positive and then some days he comes in here and he's quiet so like I, I take him as being the type of guy that when he goes negative he kind of goes quiet he kind of shuts down like right. do you see that I mean you spend more time with him than I do mm-hmm. and then like what has that been like during this recruiting process you know some D one schools are looking at him he, he's starting to get in his head okay that's the level I'm going to be able to play at like you talk about you know staying positive in an affirmative action. Like, is that how he's approaching, like, the recruiting thing, too? Because I think this stuff applies to other pieces of the game, not just playing. But, like, you get kids that are starting to go down this recruiting process and they think they're going to be a D1 athlete. And all of a sudden, that coach didn't call you back. He didn't email you back. No response after the camp you went to that you thought you were going to love. No response after the visit that you fell in love with the campus and now the coach doesn't want to talk to you anymore. And then... All of a sudden, some other schools creep in, some lower-level schools creep in, and that negative thought you had about the first few schools that you absolutely love starts to creep in, and now all of a sudden you find yourself not liking, not enjoying the recruiting process. 
So like this goes way deeper than just executing on the field, guys. It, it's it's everything that has to do with your success in the game and beyond the game. Like, do you treat your experiences positively? Do you do you think positively towards what you're gonna do? So like, what does that look like now? You're in the thick of it with recruiting, like. How are you handling it? How's Charlie handling it? You know, it, you I'm know? probably not. He's probably handling it a lot better than I am. <laughs> you know, um, at least from from what I can tell. Yeah, you know, he's he's kind of. Um, you're probably right though. Like when things aren't going quite as well, he's a little more just kind of gets quiet. Um, but you know, it's. It's hard. Like it's hard. I know he. It's it's harder on him than he's than he lets on. You know. Um. But it's you know I think he does a really good job. You know with just we. I would say to what we're talking about. You know this is why you you just can't be get too hung up on the extrinsic rewards right right it's like okay so you get a scholarship to go play at <clears throat> auburn like what what is that what's that mean does that mean that you, that you're a better person now like you're you're that you've arrived that, that you've arrived you know it's like right it's it doesn't, you know, at the end, of, it's just, that's why we, we just have to focus on the, the day-to-day, like, intrinsic reward. Like, why, you know, why are you working out why, today? Like, why are you doing this? Not so that you can get a D1 scholarship. It's because you want to get better today and you love doing what you do. Doing right. what you do. You love playing the game. Yep. You know, and and I think if you can just kind of keep that perspective, then it you know it really is gonna work out. You know, it's like if worst case scenario, and you know I say worst case because it probably is it probably is worst case. Like you go to junior college, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. but you're just you're gonna have to. Gonna have to have that type of mindset because if you're just focused on, oh, you know, I gotta go to the, to, I gotta move on, I gotta get, I gotta get drafted or whatever, go SEC, it's, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna work out, you know. Um, so you gotta, you gotta just focus on taking care of the moment, taking care of the moment, yeah, yeah. you know. So that's why. I, I said, like, when we're talking about these, like, showcase timing and everything, you know, realistically, it's like, you don't probably aren't going to know. It's just, it's, it's hectic, you know, with this recruiting stuff, you know, and when you, when you, when you turn 16, 17, um, you know, fortunately, these kids have fall break now, so they can... (laughs) They can, uh, you know, have a little break right. to do do some of this stuff, but uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about being in the moment. I, I think there is a perfect amount of being present in the moment and and also just understanding the path ahead. It doesn't mean you have to force yeah. it and make it happen. Understanding the path ahead. And, and I say this all the time, like everybody's cliche is trust the process, right? Which as cliche as it, as it is, it makes sense. But I would take it one step further and say you have to love the process too. Because if you have the trust in it, but you don't love it, it's not going to work. And if you love it, but you don't trust it, it's not going to work. Right. Like, like it, it's a tandem. It has to be both. You have to right. trust the process and love the process. So what you're saying right it. now yeah. about like trusting the worst case scenario, if you go to JUCO, trust it and love that. If you end up right. going to the D1, trust it and love who that knows, wherever yeah, you're at. I mean, who knows? You go JUCO and, and you could be a first rounder. Right. I mean, you just don't know. Right. Um, because if you, you know, like you're saying, if you have a process that you totally believe in and and you're really in love with it you know doing it every day like you love you, you love it you know it's not like you know i gotta go throw i gotta go work out you know it's just ronald acuna you know that guy probably he's he's uh he's walking around his probably you know, getting to, he's at the field right now. He's, he's dancing around right. in his underwear with his bat. Just loving it. Just, just loving it. <laughs> just, just loving, loving it. it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. Yeah. At the end of the day, guys, you have to love it. You got to trust it. You got to love it. You got to understand it. You got to be more professional. If you do those things, you're going to be all right. If you guys are interested in, um, more information on the recruiting stuff that we're talking about, uh, reach out to us. We have some guys that we trust. We can get you set up properly. Um, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Baseball Development Show here in the Juice Box, Athletic Baseball, Atlanta, Georgia. Catch you guys soon. <laughs>